Okay, here we are again. Seems like an awfully long time since I've been here. But anyways, uh, we're going to uh, continue on in the book of Matthew. So you can turn there. Thank you for, for those that are uh, looking in on the... Uh, oh, did I say Matthew? Yeah. John. Let's go to John. Yes, we'll try that. Those that are uh, watching this broadcast, if there be any, just thank you for that. And uh, make sure you have some writing material and all that stuff. We are at John chapter 14. We have not been going through this too quickly. What we have found out, though, that is there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of information for us in John chapter 14, chapter 15, 16, and 17, all fit together, and it's all information basically from the uh, last, what we call the Last Supper in the upper room. And at one point they were wanting to go out uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane and such, but uh, these four chapters all together with information the Lord's giving the uh, disciples before he goes to the cross. And uh, just an amazing, amazing uh, uh, portions of scripture. So we're going to have a look at uh, a couple little things. They're not little things, just we're going to take a little wee bit of uh, the scriptures here this morning. We are in chapter 14, and last time, if I remember, we did um, where the Lord Jesus said, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we stopped there, we did that one. We want to just touch on the uh, other half of that verse first of all as our introduction into what we're going to look at here this morning, and then we're going to go... Uh, and look at uh, verses uh, 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 7, 8, and 9. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you now for this time. We ask, Lord, that you would take this uh, message and you would use it for your honor and glory and use it to, for our edification, Lord, for the saint and sinner alike, Lord. We just thank you now and pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So uh, what we're going to do here is... Um, I'm just trying to shorten things up here. Part of our message this morning, I'm going to do something a little different. Um, I have a book I started to read there a while ago. I often I go back to read parts of different books and such. Uh, a book by Matthew Henry. And there's a um, one part of it I read the other day, about a week ago or so, and it just struck me. Just It was, it was so wonderful. So I wrote it down and, you know, you know, put some of my own stuff in and that. It was penned in 1698. That's a long time ago. And the message of it is so appropriate for us today, and maybe more so. But we'll get to that in just, just a minute. We want to look at, at um, uh, first of all, in chapter, in chapter 14, verse 6, we see the Lord Jesus says, He said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Now, before we go any further, because what we're going to talk about then, he's going to talk about um, the disciples say, well, where are you going, Lord? Uh, we don't know what you're doing. We don't know where you're going and such. And he says, he says, show us the Father. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, that's our message this morning. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But we have to back up a little bit and not leave out that um, second half of ch uh, ver uh, verse 6. No man, no one, absolutely nobody comes unto the Father but by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself was declaring at that time right there, 
No one comes unto the Father but by me. Now you just stop and think about that for a minute and you look at all the religion that there is in the world, look at all the churches and temples and just whatever in the world today and Jesus says, look at no matter what you're doing, no matter what you think is the way to heaven, no matter what your traditions are, no matter what book you're reading, you're not going to get there except you believe in me, he says. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as God manifest in the flesh, set himself up as the Lamb of God to be a sacrificial lamb to pay for the sins of the whole world. And there's the problem. We know that that's the problem, is that the whole world is steeped in sin. We have the sinful nature and we commit sins and we have Adam's sin placed upon us. And Jesus Christ says, I'm going to give myself as a sacrificial lamb to the cross of Calvary to die, to be lifted up above heaven and earth, to be lift, lifted up above the earth, between heaven and earth, and give my life and shed my blood. As God had said from Genesis on, and gave the pictures of the animals and sacrifices, to, to, to come to God there must be a mediator, there must be bloodshed, there must be a death. Because sin demands death. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ would die on that cross for the sins of the world, for yours, for mine, for everybody's. Amen? Amen. And he rose from the dead on the third day to show who he is and that sin is defeated, death is defeated. And God says, all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ, accept him, receive him, trust in him, put your faith in him, and you will be saved. But keep in mind what the Lord Jesus said, what God Almighty said. No matter what you're doing, what your religion is, and how you think you're trying to get to heaven, He says, no man comes unto the Father but by me. And then we have after that, He talks to them, He says, uh, um, verse 7, He says, if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. That will be sufficient. Verse 9, And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? And there's what we want right there. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Now I started out with the message for this, and we're looking at... at um, some things about God Almighty uh, and uh, uh, some errors that are in Christianity and such like that. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. Now you'll find that verse only in majority text Bibles. Minority text Bibles don't have that. There are three that bear record uh, 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 in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Uh, some tell us that these three are three. And that's not correct. These three are one. It's one God, okay? And then I was doing some research on the thing and I read a portion there in that book I was telling you about. Now, do we want to look at another aspect of that and just go away from that for a minute? And something, I don't know if it's profound, I don't really know what that word means. But it's a very deep teaching, but a very simple one we're going to look at here. But it comes from this verse, uh, verse 9, um, part B, 
He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Okay, we're going to look at not the uh, what the Lord Jesus was saying. The Bible tells us that the <clears throat> the God part of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Father. It is the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. Yes, we're going to look at from a different angle um, right here this morning and look at something else for ourselves to do get a, uh, a message here uh, 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 for us. We want to see something about what God is like. We want to see what Jesus Christ is like. We want to look at today, and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We want to know what God is like. Okay? And we're going to take one of the nine um, uh, uh, um, the things that's attributed to the Holy Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. We're going to take that meekness today and have a look at that and see what God is like and see how it applies to ourselves. And we're going to look at some of the uh, aspects that uh, Mr. Henry had brought out back in that time. So uh, just bear, bear with. When we behold, when we look upon the Lord Jesus Christ, what do we see? And what are we to see? What does God want us to see? The Lamb of God. He wants us to see Him as the Lamb of God. We know that He's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, but we read way back in Genesis about, there's a prophecy about the, the Lion. That Judah is a couch, couching lion, I think the word is. It means at rest. When He comes back, He's going to be a lion, I'll tell you. When He comes back to this old world. But when we look at and see him now, we see him and we're to know him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29, that's what John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His character and the character of a lamb is meekness and quietness and gentleness, isn't it? We want to look at that today and that's the whole thing we want to look at. John said, Behold the Lamb. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, and uh, 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 John again says, he's telling about the uh, throne room of God in chapter 5, before the seals are opened. He said, he said he saw a lamb stood in the midst before the throne as it had been slain. Now it's the character, and to be the character of all saints, and the saints are those that are saved, okay? So I'm not looking at Catholic Church thinks you make saints some other, I don't know what they do there. Bible, a person who is saved, is born again, is called a saint. Okay, And it's for us that know the Lord Jesus Christ, that have been born again, that are saints, to follow the Lamb. We're told that often, follow the Lamb. Okay, In Revelation chapter 14, we read of the 144,000, and they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. John chapter 10, verse 27, 28, in around there, it talks about uh, um, the Lord says, uh, uh, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. Okay, To follow. That's for us to follow. And as a lamb, believers are to follow him. And one of the main things, I suppose you could say, is in his meekness. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, the Lord says, uh, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me. He says, I want you to learn of me. Learn of my meekness. We're going to look at that this morning. 
we can see that the, the Master, the Lord, our Savior, uh, since He is meek and mild, it does not become His uh, servants, it does not become His people to be morally corrupt in any way, or perverse in any way, or have uh, uh, self-interests in any way, or have any other such thing. It's not for us to have those things. We are to follow Him in meekness. <clears throat> Excuse me. He left us an example that we should follow Him. And you read that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Follow His steps. So we want to observe three things here today. We want to observe the meekness of our Lord Jesus Christ as we see it towards, first of all, towards the Father, then secondly, towards His friends, and then thirdly, towards His foes. Okay. First of all, we're going to look at the Lord Jesus. He was very meek towards the Father. He submitted uh, to the Father's will. He said, I, I always do those things that please the Father. Uh, that's in John uh, 8, verse 29. And John 4, 34 says, I, like, I delight to do thy will, O God. He was always wanting to do what the Father had for him. He acquiesced. Always, and that word acquiesce simply means to submit to another person or a plan or something. And the example, remember, we have an example of that, a great example of it, when uh, the people came and they questioned him whether they, he paid the temple tax or not. I think it was Peter came to him and they were asking him, does your master pay the temple tax? And as the conversation went, it was, we see from that that the Lord Jesus is not subject to the temple tax. But he says, but so that we don't offend them, he says, you go and you go fishing. And the first fish you pull up, take there's a coin going to come out of his mouth, you take that and you give it to the as a temple tax for me and thee. Okay? That's acquiescence. He didn't have to pay it. But his meekness, his gentleness, he says, we don't want to upset them. We don't need to do that. And you see that. He acquiesced, and he acquiesced to the Father's will. In Gethsemane, he says, Father, if it would be possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup, could you imagine? I can't imagine. I can't imagine. The pain that he would suffer when he was going to go through the rejections, the beatings, the horrible things they would do to him, and then they were going to nail him up on a cross. Give his life on the cross. And he says, Father, he says, this thing is before. If it's possible, Lord, take this cup from me. He says, nevertheless, not what I will, but as thou wilt. Though it was a very bitter cup, he took it and he drank it. He drank all of it up. And we sing that song, O Christ, what burdens bound thy head, that talks about. And he drank up every bit of that bitter cup of death that was ours. The curse upon mankind, he took it upon himself because he loves us and cares for us. He wants to deliver the people from their sins. And though it was a very bitter cup that was put in his hand, he therefore drank all of it. And he drank it without struggle, without reluctance, mm -hmm. but with such meekness. This is the key, the key for us. 
Now, meekness, I was looking it up, and uh, uh, the word you can look up in your Oxford dictionary and such. I like to use a, a, a Greek English dictionary, I just like the original word and such. And the one that sticks out is not insisting on your own rights. Well, that's something. Preferring to suffer wrong than to do wrong. You get the idea. Meekness does not mean weakness. Moses, it was said, was the meekest man in all the earth. He wasn't without power, was he? He was a very powerful man and, and so on and so forth. And with God, the same Jesus Christ. He was meek, though. So we see that the example of the Lord Jesus it, towards his Father, before, towards the Father in heaven, we can see that there's a reason that we come to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter pulls out the, the short sword and cuts the ear off of the, the uh, servant, and the Lord says, that's enough, put it away. He meant for them to defend themselves. He says, I don't need defending. Don't, don't, you don't do that for me. His defense was his meekness. The sword was for their defense, not his. His meekness. But we see the Lord Jesus very meek towards the Father, submitting to his will. If it be possible, take this away. Not my will, but thine be done. Let's do this thing. Secondly, we look at the Lord Jesus. He was not only very meek towards the Father, but he was very meek towards his friends that loved him and that followed him. Okay? It was with meekness and gentleness he trained up his disciples. That's the attitude, that was the character of him that he was wanting to impart upon them and to teach them. First of all, we consider this very meek towards his friends in his bearing with their infirmities and weaknesses of his friends. We call it grace today. Eh? God, because of Jesus Christ, all our sins are done, are paid for, the, the, the penalty of it, it's all gone. And when we think and we look at the disciples and we see how weak they were at times how weak and defective his disciples were, and how ignorant they were towards the things of God, and how forgetful they were. I don't know about you, when I was going through this, I said, oh Lord, I am that one right there. And yet he's still in meekness. He's still there teaching them. How many blunders they made, how many blunders we make, but their hearts were right with him. Their hearts were right before him. And so he did not cast them off, nor turn away from them. That is a lesson in itself, folks, isn't it? We must take these things and not just hear them as this is what the Lord Jesus is like. He says, I want you to be the same. The Spirit of God that lives inside us is the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8 and 9. It's right there. He's right there. He says, and this is how I want you to be. The Lord Jesus made the best of them. He instructed them and showed them his way. He did not dwell on their shortcomings. 
but showed them himself, his kindness, his love, and his gentleness. He taught them as they were able to bear it. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, he had compassion on the ignorant. And as long as he was with them, he suffered them. He just kept up with them. Now this in itself right here is a great encouragement and a lesson to Christians, to Christian learners, as we're all learners, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And it's also a great example and lesson to Christian teachers. And every one of us is a learner and a teacher, right? Whether you know it or not, people are watching you. And we're to be showing them what? <clears throat> Jesus Christ. And when we see, see all the shortcomings of those characters, the Lord says, guess who they represent? Yes, Lord, I see it. And in his love and forbearing and his meekness towards them, he wants to teach them. We see his meekness towards his friends. Secondly, in his forgiving and passing by their unkindnesses and their disrespectfulness to him. We want to note, he did not mark their disrespectfulness to himself. He didn't make mention of it. He didn't mark it down and bring it up. When we read where Mary, I believe it was, came and anointed him for the third time. And they murmured at the cost of the ointment that was being bestowed upon him. And they called it a waste. Now just stop and think about that for a minute. Here is God Almighty manifest in the flesh. And this lady is anointing with the most expensive thing of the day. And they say, that's a terrible waste. We could have done something else with it. What a terrible, horrible insult to God Almighty right there, eh? That's what that is. They had indignation about that. But note what the Lord Jesus did. And note what he didn't say. He did not resent it. There was no mention of it. He did not observe what they had said and how it reflected upon him. Nor did he condemn them in any other way other than simply commending Mary for her actions. Mm -hmm. And this will be a memorial for her whenever this is spoken of for her. He didn't upbraid them. He didn't tell them off. He didn't... None of that. That's meekness, folks. That is meekness. That is complete and absolute control. That is meekness. He simply commended Mary for her actions. teaching them what he is like. I wrote this down. Do we do this? Do I do this? Another 
time when uh, Peter and James and John was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was just before he was going to be arrested. They were with him in the garden, and he told them, you stay here, and I'm going to go over here and pray. And he agonized in prayer. But they seemed to be so little concerned with him. He was facing all those terrible things that were going to come upon him. And they didn't show any interest at all. They just went to sleep. I'm tired. And you see that? It's taking place there. He was so very grievously slighted by their falling asleep. But note how meekly he speaks to them. He says to them, could you not watch with me for one hour? I don't know what tone it was in or whatever, but he didn't raise his voice. We know he didn't do that with them. And when they had nothing to say for themselves, when their fault was so inexcusable, we note that the Lord Jesus, instead of accusing them, he apologizes for them. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is absolute meekness and gentleness right there. When what they had done was just completely, completely, terribly, terribly ignoring him. How about when Peter, we're looking at uh, the Lord Jesus' meekness towards his friends. When Peter denied him at that little fire, and three times he denies him, nothing could be more unkind than his cursing and swearing that he does not know the man. Could you imagine that? That he did not know him, not once, but three times. But we note the meekness of the Lord that was displayed in that. And that was a horrible, terrible, grievous thing, wasn't it? It is not said that the Lord Jesus turned and frowned upon Peter, although Peter would deserve it. The Lord simply looked upon him, just looked at him. And that look recovered Peter and brought him back into the way that leads to heaven. He didn't scold him. He didn't have an angry face about him. He just looked. And he probably was looking at Peter because Peter at that moment knew that the Lord loved him and cared for him and so on and so forth. It was a kind look, not an angry one. It was a look to recover him from his error. Hey, there's another lesson for us. When people step on our toes, eh? the look of meekness and kindness was a look to recover him from his error. And when the Lord Jesus and Peter met again, and they dined together with the fish at the shore and such. And that is a token of reconciliation when people sit down together at a meal. Eh? That's what that represents. Not a word was said of the matter. What the Lord said, he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Three times. Okay. 
Jesus did not upbraid Peter for his fault, but only the renewing of his love one for the other. That teaches us to forgive and forget the unkindnesses, is that a word, unkindnesses, of those that are our friends and family and acquaintances and so on and so forth. Because if people are going to say, do things, or omit, or whatever. But here's the response, he says. This is what I want you to do. This is how you are to be. To follow him. To walk in his footsteps. This is how it's to be. Not for yourself. For me. If any occasion of difference does occur, we should turn it into a, an occasion of confirming our love to them. That's what the Lord Jesus did in all these instant instance, instances of his uh, disciples and such. So we see the Lord Jesus very meek towards the Father, submitting to his will. We see the Lord Jesus very meek towards his friends, even though they did and said and omitted all kinds of things. And yet we see this meekness, this kindness, our example Thirdly, and the last one, we want to see Jesus very meek towards his enemies, towards his foes, people that who hated him, people who persecuted him. The Bible says he endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. He was never in the least discouraged by it. Consider this. When his preachings and his miracles were scoffed at and his person was scoffed at and referred to as a drunkard's companion, how calmly he did bear it. He could have replied with thunder and lightning, couldn't he? He could have, but he didn't. When some of his disciples would call down fire upon the, uh, fire from heaven on those who did not follow with the disciples, Jesus said, "You know not what manner of spirit ye are of." The design of the Lord Jesus Christ and His way, it is God's way, is to shape people into a mild and merciful temper, and to make them sensibly tender of the lives and comforts of even their worst enemies. Christianity was intended to revive humanity, to lift it up out of the grasp of our old nature and this into humility and meekness and godlikeness. We want to see towards his foes, his meekness appears first in what he said to them. When the Lord Jesus was smitten, and spit upon and abused, he took it all patiently. He said, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest, why smitest thou me? John 18, 23. We see his meekness appears and how he would speak to them. But his meekness also shows towards his enemies Secondly, in what he said to God for them. In what he said to God on the cross of Calvary, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. You imagine. He gave us, with that, he gave us an example to his own rule. Pray for those who despitefully use you. On the cross, it said that the Lord Jesus was in the midst of the most solemn transaction that ever passed between heaven and earth. Yet he did not forget to send up a prayer for his enemies. The prayer and pardon for their sins. You know that was answered at Pentecost when 3,000 people got saved. And amongst that 3,000, you were a betting person, if I was a betting man, I'd say that those ones that were at the cross and put him there, they were amongst those ones. That prayer was answered. In all this, the Lord Jesus leaves us an example. What is the practice of religion but the imitation of God endeavored by us? <coughs> He that has seen me has seen the Father. And so he that imitates Christ imitates the Father. The religion of Jesus Christ, and you know what I mean when I say the word religion, is to establish peace and order and recover the lost souls from their degenerate state. Just like what he did with his disciples and such and teach them and be gentle and kind towards them. We profess to rejoice in him as our forerunner. Well, then we should be running after him, following after him. The scripture beseeches the Corinthians by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 1, I believe it is. Let this, be this, let this same mind be in us. It is a certain rule by which we will all must be tried shortly. That if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, Romans 8, 9. And if we be not owned as his, we are undone forever. And if yet, though we are found in Christ, let us consider this, the quest for meekness and quietness of spirit by the Spirit of Jesus Christ who lives within us, who lives within the believer. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for these things from your word. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. We can see through these few things here this morning, Lord, we see what you are like. We see Jesus Christ, Lord, what you are like towards the Father towards your friends and towards your foes. And you've told us to follow you and walk in your footsteps. And we have you living right inside of us, Lord. And we pray that we would acquiesce, that we would say, not my will, but thine be done. It's your will for us to walk in this meekness, to live in this, and to treat people with such. So, Lord, we thank you now, and we thank you, and we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. That's all for now. Thank you for your attention, folks. Lord bless you. And we'll see you next week, Lord willing, okay? Thank you.